Father in heaven, as we open your word this morning, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be here. Our hearts are so hard. Sin has worked so much upon our minds. We need the Holy Spirit to make a right decision to escape the things of this world, to escape from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of glory. We ask that your Holy Spirit will be here to work on our hearts and minds, that we will surrender to you everything, because you have promised to give us everything. We just ask your blessings, Father, and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If Jesus had a song, what do you think the words would be? Now, I'm going to make a transition here, and I'm going to get a big, strong man to help me. Is there anybody who can move this thing? I like it down here. Thank you. Bottom right. If Jesus had a song, what do you think the words would be? Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you be also. Thank you, Jesus. And do you know there's actually a response to that? I love the, I love the Word of God. God does things and then He waits for our response. And there is a response. And if you've ever wondered, now I just quoted from John 14, 1 to 3. Now if you want to know where the response is, it's found in 1 Chronicles 17, verses 25 to 27. I'm going to read you the response. For you, oh my God, you have told your servant that you will build him a house. What do you think of that? In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. That you will build your servant a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage and confidence to pray before you. Now listen to the prayer. And now, Lord, you are God. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. Therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For what you bless, O Lord, is blessed forever. Do you, how many of you are claiming your home in heaven? The house Jesus has gone to prepare for you. Oh, you're wondering what the words to Jesus' song. Plenty good room, plenty good room, 
Plenty good room in my Father's kingdom. Plenty good room. Plenty good room. Just choose your seat. Sit down. Why don't we stand up and try that? You've got you to feel this. Plenty good room, plenty good room, plenty good room in my Father's kingdom. Plenty good room, plenty good room, just choose your seat. Thank you, Jesus. God is so wonderful. So absolutely wonderful. And you know this time of the year is a blessed time of the year because God's spirit goes through the whole earth to touch the hearts of men and women everywhere. That they'll understand the precious gift that Jesus gave when he gave himself and came to this earth. And the purpose he came was to seek and save that which are lost. Now if you're not lost, it doesn't make any difference to you at all. Right? Did you know that there's good sinners and bad sinners? There's good sinners and bad sinners. I want you to know that you folks are terrible sinners. Now, you know what a terrible sinner is? A terrible sinner is the one that comes to church, but they're not really confident and sure that they have salvation. And so they make a terrible sinner. Because they want to be in the house of God and they want to go home with Jesus but they're torn by the world that's holding them back. And they make a terrible sinner. Now if you want to be a good sinner don't come to church. Just go out and do anything you want and you're really a good sinner. Last week we talked about are you serious about your own salvation? And are you ready for Jesus to come? That if Jesus came at this moment, you would raise your hand and say, Lo, this is my God. I have waited for Him. And He will save me. Would you be willing to do that? Or would you be waiting for the rocks and the mountains to fall on you? And hide you from the sight of Jesus as He comes in clouds of glory? You and I can know for certain, without a shadow of a doubt, it's recorded in heaven. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says this is the record, the recording that God has given unto us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He that has the life, has the Son has life and he that has not the Son has not life. How many of you have the Son? How many of you want the Son? Amen. And so we made a... We made a what they call an altar call. Now, now, the reason they call it an altar call is because you come up to the altar and as you're coming up, you're singing all to Jesus, I surrender. And you know what Jesus is singing? Going home, going home. Boy, he's looking forward when he's going to take us all home. So he's excited to see you come to the front. A lot of people don't understand this exactly what do you do after you've come to the front. So we're going to talk about that today. Because I don't want you to just make a commitment to Christ and then just leave you hanging there. And you don't know, well, now what should I do? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to be up there. 
Now that I have made the decision to follow Jesus, what do I do? Now how many people know what to do? Well, we're all together. We're all together if we don't know what to do. But here we go. We're going to find out. Let's see. Which way? Point it over this way. John 17, 3. Now you all know what it says. I've repeated it about 20 times since I've been here. And this is life eternal. So if you want to know how to have eternal life, this is, this is the secret. And this is life eternal that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's how you have life eternal. You have to know Jesus. Jesus is the only one that is, has gone all the way through this life, gone all the way to heaven, and has come back to show us how to get there. There it is right there. Memorize that. That's a good text. Memorize 1 John 5, 11 and 12. Now that I've made the decision to follow Jesus, what do I do? There's the steps right there. Repent, believe, trust, obey, and live. You need to do all five of them. And you can, you can find where you are in the whole thing. You can say, well, I've already repented. And you can say, I, I, I believe. And I'm trusting now. I'm learning how to trust God with everything in my life. That's where I am. And, and so then you move on to, to, how, to how to obey. And, and, and there's a really a simple way to obey. Really, really simple. It's found in Galatians 2.20. We'll get there in a little while. And then live. You know why you have to put that in there? Live. Because when you give your heart to Jesus, that's the beginning of eternity. Don't think in terms of this earth. You give your heart to Jesus. He accepts you and promises you eternal life. You might as well start living it right now. And live it happily. So let's take a look. Now James 1, 21 to 25, says, Separate yourself from all influences that debase, defile, and damage the character, and humbly nurture your relationship with Jesus. So now when we talk about repent, you know what the word repent means. It means to stop going the direction you're going, turn around and go back the other direction towards Jesus. If you haven't made a turnaround, then if, if you haven't done the turnaround, you know what's going to be in front of you? More and more temptations of the things that Satan already knows that he can overcome you on. So why keep going that way? Why not turn around and go to Jesus? Don't play games with yourself by merely listening to God's words. Apply it and do what it says. Is that, is that hard to conceive and understand? You and I are sinners. And you and I don't know the way to heaven. We don't know how holy God is. And we think, some of us, that we could just pop into his presence and he'd just be so happy to see us. But unfortunately, to sin, our God, the Bible says, is a consuming fire. And just popping into his presence, we turn into a torch. 
So we don't want to do that. So what we need to do is don't play games with yourself by merely listening to God's word. Apply it in your lives. Then do what it says. Anyone who simply listens to God's word and doesn't apply it to their life is like the man that looks at his face in the mirror, sees the dirt, then walks away without washing it off and forgets all about it. Now, if you're married, you can't do that. <laughs> She'll catch you every time. So, uh, uh, you know, you and I, we, we've come over the last three, four months now, we have come face to face with Jesus. And we've come face to face with the demands of Jesus on our lives. We've been told by the scriptures that we're not our own. We are bought with a price. And it says, therefore, glorify God in your body, which is his. So if you're not your own, then Jesus has a claim on you. And so Jesus can see the dirt, but he wants to wash it off. You and I can't wash off our lives. We can't turn around and go the right way. We have got to follow Jesus. But those who examine themselves honestly in the light of God's law of love, the law that heals and freezes, frees from fear and selfishness, and continue to do this, not ignoring what is learned, but applying it diligently, experience happiness as they are healed and transformed. There's a song that we used to sing in the church many years ago, but I don't know, they don't sing it at all anymore. And, and the song goes something like, Oh, gee, that I'm glad, I'm glad, oh, that I'm glad. And what, why are you glad? Jesus has come and taken my sins away, oh, that I'm glad. And we don't sing songs like that anymore. I don't know why. But we should be a happy people. We should be happy in Jesus. He's given us complete overcoming power. All we have to do is take advantage of it. Or as the Bible says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That's the worst thing about this is that we're the ones that get deceived and we get deceived by ourselves. Into thinking that somehow we can make it to the kingdom of heaven without changes in our life. But it's not true. It is not true. Now Romans 2.13 says this. For it is not merely hearing and reading the word that makes one righteous, but it is the doers of the word who will be held guiltless and justified. So the doers of the word are the ones that Jesus is going to be able to say. The ones that just hear the word and go away, but I don't need to say anything more. So in, in having victory in Jesus, we need to have repentance. Now what is true repentance? A lot of us don't know, and, and, and what do I know I have repented? Do I know I have repented? Do I? How do I know I have repented? I tell you, one of the ways to do, this is kind of a backwards way, but I'm going to show you what repentance is not. And when I show you what it is not, you can see whether you've fallen into Satan's trap or whether you're following Jesus. Now, in Desire of Ages, page 300, it says, We often sorrow because our evil deeds bring unpleasant consequences to ourselves, but this is not repentance. Sorrowing for the results of sin 
just because you got caught, whether you got caught because your body failed you under the weight of sin, or how you got caught, that's not repentance. That's not repentance at all. Real sorrow for sin is the result of the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to you and it says, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. God loves you. The Holy Spirit says, I love you. And it says, there is a way of life everlasting. And there's a way to get there. And you can make it. And you can live forever in the kingdom of heaven with joy and happiness. And love all around you. Just being submerged in it. And it says, real sorrow. He tells you all those things. And then he says, but you're a sinner. You want to wonder, who, who is the closest sinner to Jesus? Which sinner does, gets the closest to Jesus? He, he, he told us in the Bible. He said, he that is forgiven much, loves much. He that is forgiven much, loves much. And so when Jesus can see a sinner turn his back on Satan and come to him for salvation, and this is the worst sinner the world's ever sinned, Jesus gives him the biggest hug that's ever been and welcomes him into his arms and keeps him forever in that position in the kingdom of heaven. The Spirit reveals the ingratitude of the heart that has slighted and grieved the Savior and brings us in contrition to the foot of the cross. And the foot of the cross is the highest place that man can reach. By every sin, Jesus is wounded afresh. And as we look upon him whom we have pierced, we mourn for the sins that have brought anguish upon him. One time in a service, I brought in a, a big wooden cross. It was made out of four by fours. And then I had a big bucket of nails. And I had a big hammer, a two pound hammer. And I asked everybody in the congregation to come up and nail a nail in that cross. And that represented your sins. That represented you crucifying Jesus. You know there were people that came up and their hand was shaking so much, they were so understanding what the object lesson was, they just about couldn't nail a nail into that two-by-four cross. Because the Holy Spirit was speaking directly to their hearts and asking them, won't you please surrender? I want you to be in the kingdom of heaven forever. I have overcoming power for you. Such mourning will lead to the renunciation of sin. When we really look into the Savior's face, the worldly may pronounce this sorrow a weakness, but it is the strength that binds the penitent to the infinite one with links that cannot be broken. Isn't that fabulous? And, and, and watch this one. It shows that the angels of God are bringing back to the soul the graces that were lost through the hardness of the heart and transgression. Isn't that neat? Angels coming to you and ministering to you and bringing you the grace of Christ into your life. The tears of the penitent are only the raindrops that precede the sunshine of holiness. I love that statement. 
This sorrow heralds a joy which will be a living fountain in the soul. The proud in heart strive to earn salvation, but both our title to heaven and our fitness for it are found where? In the righteousness of Christ. None of us can make it to heaven on our own. None of us can pull our own selves up by our bootstring. We have to all go to Jesus for salvation. Every one of us. The Lord can do nothing toward the recovery of man until convinced of his own weakness, stripped of all self-sufficiency, he yields himself to the control of God. So there it is. Are you convinced of your own weakness in dealing with temptation and sin? Are you? Are you stripped of all your self-sufficiency? I can make it. Then you have to yield yourself to the control of God. That's the one that really gets to you and I. Almost, almost no one wants to yield control of their lives. But that's what it takes. We like, to, we like to know where we're going and, and be able to help the Lord direct him in the right direction to get us there. With the least amount of pain possible. Then he can receive the gift God is waiting to bestow from the soul that feels his need. Nothing is withheld. He has unrestricted access to him in whom all fullness dwells. And we sing the song, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. How would you like to have all those blessings inside of you? A well of blessings coming out. When that happens, you have to visit people every single day or you just get so full. You have to give those blessings out to others. Now, we know what repentance is not. By the way, Feeling has absolutely nothing to do with repentance. It, ha- it does not enter into repentance. Feelings. Your repentance is based on the word of God. And repentance comes from Jesus. If you are, are having a hard time, and emotionally and, and, and in your mind you say, I know I need a new start. I know that I need to give myself 100% to Jesus. I just cannot find repentance in my heart then you need to pray because the Bible says that God has given repentance to Jesus to give to us. How do you like that? He'll give us repentance. In other words, He'll help us to understand our, our relationship to God and sin and He will help us to make it all the way. Now, the next thing that we do, we need to believe. So Isaiah 43, 10 and 11 says... You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no other Savior. We can't save ourselves. We have to turn to Jesus. And if you don't turn now, and, and you think you want to wait until later... You don't know what's going to happen in your life. I wouldn't wait for, for later. That, that's not a bright idea. Because if you give yourself to Jesus now, 
Now starts your eternity. Now starts the joy in your heart. Now starts the love anew in your life. And everything changes. If any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Don't you want that in your life? I do. So Mark 9.23, And Jesus said unto him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now this is the story where the father comes and he has a child that is dying and he asks Jesus. He asks him to heal his child. And Jesus just puts him to the test. You believe I can do it? And he says, I don't believe. Did you see that? If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And he answers Jesus, I can't believe. Just like some people say, I can't repent. And Jesus says something back to him. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. 2 Chronicles 2.20 Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall you prosper. Believe in his prophets, so shall you prosper. Desire of Ages, page 429. Then we're going to hear now what the, what the Father said back to Jesus. And the straightway the father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Isn't that terrific? Confess to Jesus. You haven't got enough faith. Confess that you're you're having a terrible struggle. Confess it. He's going to supply how many of your needs? All your needs. And so he says, Lord, help my unbelief. I'm going to lose my child, Lord. It is faith that connects us with heaven and brings us strength for coping with the powers of darkness. In Christ, God has provided the means for subduing every sinful trait and resisting every temptation, however strong. But many feel they lack faith and therefore they remain away from Christ. Let these souls in their helpless unworthiness cast themselves upon the mercy of their compassionate Savior. Look not to self, but to Christ. He who healed the sick Cast out demons when he walked upon, among men. is the same mighty Redeemer today. Faith comes by the word of God. Then grasp his promise. Him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. There's nobody in this church building right now at this moment. I don't care what you've done that cannot be forgiven and that Jesus is not willing to forgive and to accept you fully into his arms and restore your relationship with God 100%. And in the book... Romans 8th chapter, first verse, fully reconciled, fully made at peace with God. Every single person in this building. Cast yourself at his feet with the cry, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. You can never perish while you do this. Never. You're the only one that believes this. The rest of them are odd. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. You can never perish while you do. When you throw yourself on Jesus, I don't care what you've done in your life. 
He is going to take it and make it right. He is going to take you to the kingdom of heaven. He is going to cover you with the robe of His righteousness. But He is not going to cover any sin. Don't you get it wrong. He came to save you from your sins. Not in your sins. And He's going to get rid of the sins out of your life. And so if you're not willing to let Him get rid of the sin in your life, don't come to Him. That will be a painful experience for you. But if you want a right relationship with God and your Father and the Creator of you, then you need to come to Jesus. He's going to set everything right. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. What do I get if I repent and believe God as revealed in His Word? What do I get? How many want to know that? What do I get from the Bible? Because of faith, Enoch was caught up, transferred to heaven, so that he did not have a glimpse of death. And he was not found because God had translated him. For even before he was taken to heaven, he received the testimony. And it is still on record. It's in Genesis 5, 22 to 24. He received the testimony that he had pleased and been satisfactory to God. And what did God do? They were walking along arm in arm and God said, I'm close, you're closer to my house than to yours. Let's just go on home. Desire of Ages, page 126. We're talking about victory in Jesus. But faith is in no sense allied to presumption. Only he who has a true faith is secure against presumption. For presumption is Satan's counterfeit of faith. Faith claims God's promises and brings forth fruit in obedience. Presumption also claims the promises, but uses them, as Satan did, to excuse transgression. Faith would have led our first parents to trust the love of God and to obey His commands. Presumption led them to transgress His law, believing that His great love would save them from the consequence of their sin. Don't presume again upon God and His patience. God has said in His Word that He will not hold back forever. There comes a time when God says, leave them alone, they're joined to their idols. Whatever it is. It is not faith that claims the favor of heaven without complying with the conditions upon which mercy is to be granted. Genuine faith has its foundation in the promises and provisions of the scripture. Often when Satan has failed of exciting distrust, he succeeds in leading, leading us to presumption. If he can cause us to place ourselves unnecessarily in the way of temptation, he knows that he's got us. Don't think you can overcome sin in your life. I don't care what it is. He will pour it on more and more. The closer you get to Jesus, the harder it will be to surrender. The more questions you will have and demand answers from Jesus before you will take a step toward Him. And He is the only Savior, the only name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Why on earth wouldn't we all just run to Him? God will preserve all who walk in the path of obedience. 
but to depart from it is to venture on Satan's ground. There we might fall. What did it say? We're sure to fall. A belief that leads not to obedience is what? Presumption. If you are not following what the Bible tells you you should be doing and dealing with sin in your life, if you're not following, then you're presuming that God's somehow going to save you. Did God save Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Have they suffered the consequences of sin? The wages of sin is death. Or are they still with us? Remember what the devil told them. You shall not surely die. Trust. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Who does he defend them from? The evil one. Isn't that right? He says, I will contend with him that contends with you. That's Satan. And then he adds something really precious for those that say, Jesus, take me. I will contend with him that contends with you, and I will save your children. And there's a lot of adults in this room that have children that are not in the arms of Jesus right now. They're out in the world. Jesus has promised you, if you give your heart to him, he will save your children. He will go to work for them. He will not force their will, but he will bring all the love and everything he can upon them to encourage them to follow Jesus. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Why not lean on my understanding? Don't I know what's best for me? Lean not on my own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. How many of you want to be directed straight to heaven? No detours. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. I made an altar call last week. And there were many people that should have come up. I know they should have come up. I know what they're doing in their life. Others know what they're doing in their life. They should have come up. What happened? They were wise in their own eyes. They weren't fearing the Lord. They weren't running from the devil and departing evil. You will keep him in what? Perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. What kind of peace? Perfect peace. That means you won't be worried about anything. Remember this. Your past is not your future. And your past is not who you are. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. So your past has nothing to do with it. God is not concerned about your past. Jesus died for your past already. He took every cross from, from the beginning of Adam to the last sinner that repents on this earth. He took every cross, every one of those, those sins to the cross. 
So don't, don't, don't do that. You have a future. An eternal future. Make certain of your eternal future. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in Him. Obey. Uh, can we skip that one? No? Okay. Alright. Though he were a son, talking about Jesus, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. We try to avoid things that we suffer. We don't want to suffer. We try to avoid them. But he's saying that he learned obedience by those things. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. If you're not obeying him, how much salvation do you get? None. So if you want eternal salvation, you have to obey him. And he says he wants you to do what he did. He gave us an example in all things. He gave us an example of how to walk all the way from sinhood all the way to the kingdom of heaven. And in that path, he went through for you and I, every one of us, those steps to show us what to do. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of the stronghold. Where's, where are the strongholds that it's talking about? The strongholds are right here. They're in our heart. That's where the strongholds are. And Jesus will pull them down and get them out of the way so we can go all the way to the kingdom of heaven with him. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How would you like that? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Yes. Instead of letting Satan entertain thoughts in your minds of things you did in the past. No, 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 no. Don't do that. You bring every thought into obedience to Christ. And you go driving down the road, and you look up and you see that big liquor ad, and you remember how good that tastes. He said he's going to take those kind of thoughts out of your mind. And when you're fiddling around and, and, and you, need, you need another smoke, he's going to take that out of your mind. He's going to take every thought you have that Satan puts into your mind to keep you captive. He's going to take that out of your life. Desire of Ages, page 173. When the Spirit of God takes possession of the heart, it transforms the life. Sinful thoughts are put away. Evil deeds are renounced. How many of you want sinful thoughts put away and evil deeds renounced in your life? I do. And it goes on. Love, humility, and peace take the place of anger, envy, and strife. Joy takes the place of sadness. The countenance reflects the light of heaven. No one sees the hand that lifts your burden or beholds the light descend from the courts above. The blessing comes when by faith you surrender yourself to God. Then the power which no human eye can see creates in you a new being in the image of God. I want to tell you about David. Now, David was a terrible sinner. And I'm not talking about David in the Bible. I'm talking about David in real life right here. That You could go shake his hand because he would come tell you the same story. 
David had a real difficult time. He had a very hard life coming up. He had a father that was very abusive. And, and he, just, he just could not surrender to God. David was a witness for Jesus. But he had never surrendered to God. He was, he was a, what do you, a counterfeit. When you saw him, you thought he was on God's side. But the truth was he had never really enlisted on God's side. Well, David was invited by a man that was a worker, uh, a mechanical worker that worked on one of his pieces of equipment. He had a shop and he had equipment in his shop that broke down occasionally. This man came and worked on it. And when he worked on this equipment, he noticed David's attitude about things. And so he said to him one one day, he said, I'd like for you to go with me for a weekend. We're going for a weekend to a place in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. It's a great big stadium. There's going to be 50,000 men there. It's called Promise Keepers. And David said, no, I don't want to go. I don't have any reason to go there. He kept it up until David finally said, I'll go. And so he went. And he went to this big stadium in Phoenix. And while he was there at that stadium in Phoenix, he, he was sitting there in the bleachers. And a man came up on the way down there. And he was sitting way up high. And the man told the story of his life and how he had surrendered it to Christ. And as David listened, it sounded like the man knew his life intimately and was telling all 50,000 men in the stadium what his life was. And the Holy Spirit came with tremendous conviction on David. And as it poured down upon him, he was overwhelmed. But he stuck to his seat like he was glued to it. And they made an altar call. And the stadium was just sat there and it was still. And they made another altar call. And usually when you go to a promise keeper's meeting, you make an altar call, people start coming down. But this day they didn't come down right away. They were all kind of hesitating for some reason. And when they made the third call, a man sitting next to David leaned over. And he said, I want to go down, but I can't go by myself. Would you go with me? And so David, thinking he was going to help this man, he walked down there. And as he got closer and closer and closer to that altar, he started to pour sweat out all over And he became so nervous, he thought he was going to have a heart attack. And he was so overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. And when he got up there, the speaker approached him. And now there were hundreds of men up there now, but the speaker approached him and appealed to him to give his heart to Jesus. Now he didn't come down there to give his heart to Jesus. He came down to walk down because that man couldn't walk by himself down there. But when he gave his heart to Jesus... A tremendous burden was lifted, lifted right out of his life. I mean, he was changed in a moment, like the Bible said. And, and it was a tremendous transformation. And, and you just about had to tie a rope around his ankle because he floated back up to his seat in the bleacher. He came home. Now, what you've got to know is that he didn't like his wife's dog. She had one of these little dogs who, rah, 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 all the time. Just one little tiny dog. 
And, and his wife would say, honey, would you put the dog out? The dog needs to go out. And, and, and she wouldn't hear the door open. She'd come into the room and she'd say, are you putting the dog out? And he says, yes, through the keyhole. <laughs> he came home from that meeting. And when he walked through the door, that dog ran up to him. It had always run away from him. It ran up to him and jumped into his arms. Even that dog knew that he had been converted. Amen. Can you believe that? I'm telling you, it was an amazing thing, and he became an amazing man for God. So, no human eye can see what creates this new being in the image of God. It is impossible for finite minds to comprehend the work of redemption. Its mystery exceeds human knowledge. Yet he who passes from death to life realizes it's a divine reality. Have you had that divine reality in your life? I have. It is divine reality. You do know it happens. The beginning of redemption we may know here through personal experience. It is the results. Its results will reach through eternal ages. What decision you make here is going to go for eternity. Now we're down to live. My son, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trusts to his own righteousness and commits iniquity. By the way, do you know what iniquity is? Iniquity is different than sin. Sin is when, you, when you're tempted and you fall into temptation. Iniquity is when you plan to disobey God's word somewhere and you go do something. David committed iniquity when he looked down on Bathsheba and he planned what he was going to do. That is iniquity. And God will even forgive iniquity and wash it all away. Not just sin, but iniquity. So if he trusts his own righteousness, some people think, well, you're the pastor, you can't do anything wrong. Don't you worry about it. If I do not trust Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I'm just as vulnerable as any other person on this world. All his righteousnesses shall be forgotten. They'll not be remembered. For, but his iniquity that he has committed, he shall die. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Don't let your feelings get into this. If God's word says you need to repent, you need to be baptized or rebaptized, then you need to follow what God's word says. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh conveys no benefit whatever. The words of truth that I have been speaking to you, they are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. And this life eternal that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast seen. Know you not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. We're going to die to that old man, because a new man in Christ is going to come out. And that like as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. 
In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. He's drawing everybody. If you want to be lost, you have to fight him off. You understand that? You've got to fight Jesus off if you want to be lost. Because he's drawing you, and if you surrender, he'll draw you. And then what happens after that? Not I, but Christ lives in me. Is, he, is Christ going to live a sinful life in you? No. He's going to live his righteous life in you. So you need Jesus, and I need Jesus. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Desire of Ages, page 57. says, Having undertaken our redemption, he will spare nothing, however dear, which is necessary to the completion of his work. No truth essential to our salvation is withheld. No miracle of mercy is neglected. No divine agency is left unemployed. Favor is heaped upon favor, gift upon gift. The whole treasury of heaven is open to those he seeks to save. And having collected the riches of the universe, laid open the resources of infinite power, he gives them all into the hands of Christ and says, all these are for man. Use these gifts to convince him that there's no love in in heaven or earth greater than mine. His greatest happiness will be found in loving me. Today there's people in this room right now that need to give their heart to Jesus. Next week we're having a baptism. How many do we have lined up for the baptism? Are you going to be there? Do you need to be one of the baptized people? Do you need to start a new life with Jesus Christ? Now's the time to do it. And by faith, we're going to have the baptistry ready. And we're going to leave it to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus does what? Jesus loves you. And so do I. Let us pray. Jesus, you said in your word, That you came to seek and save that which was lost. And all of us have been lost. And some of us are lost right now. And some of us don't even know we're lost. I pray, Father, that you will, through your Holy Spirit, reach out and touch those that need to respond to you because you love them so much that Jesus will not have died in vain for them. And that your word will not return to you void, but it will do the work that you have sent it to accomplish in the hearts of men and women. That they will start a new life in Christ. That they will put aside all feelings and that they will turn to Jesus to be saved. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.